ho, ho. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Greatest Song You've Never Heard. My name is Chris Cochran. I'm here with my great pal and music aficionado friend, Phil. Thank you. I was waiting for you to like take the cue, but anyway, we're here today to share with you another song that is a song we think should have been a hit, probably should have been something that everyone knew, but for whatever reason, they didn't. We'll talk about the song, we'll talk about why we think it's a hit, and we'll talk about why we think maybe it never got the airplay that it should have. So today, Phil, we are celebrating Christmas uh, again this week, and uh, you are going to bring us a song today about the Yuletide season. Is that correct? That is correct. You know, Christmas songs, uh, to find new ones that people haven't heard, that's tough. Mm. It's tough. It, it, I mean, there are Christmas songs that people write, and generally they make the mainstream, and so that kind of takes them off of our list again, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I'm here to put a bow on this Christmas season with the greatest song you never heard. So I was talking with my wife the other day about Christmas songs in general. Uh, and I just want to throw this out there as a question in the beginning of this. It seems like the same Christmas songs get used a lot, right? And you would think with great, like really good uh, songwriters, say like Ed Sheeran or you know, the Hit Factories, mm-hmm. How hard can it be to write some new standards that people could sing every year? Isn't it? It's a given, too. If you do that, you will sell. And, well, case in point, right. the last standard like that that I was I was trying to think of, like, what was the last Christmas song that became, like, a standard? And it's uh, All I Want for Christmas is You from Mariah Carey. Oh, your favorite. 26 years old. And she's wow. built an entire empire on that, including a book a movie, now a television special that yeah, was on Apple up. TV. So, yeah, uh, I don't understand why it's so hard. And on top of that, how in the world is Frosty the Snowman a Christmas song? But we'll just leave that one right there. Go. Well, why are these are a few of my favorite things? Okay, I'm just flat out simple. Yes. So some, some of the songs that I really like that I can't use because they're standards, like Winter Wonderland, Harry yeah. Connick Jr., he plays such a great, funky, mm-hmm. acoustic piano all the way through. It's so good. Um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Hmm. Ringo Starr. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. So good. They're, they're all uh, Darling Love, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Of course, Mannheim Steamroller, Silent Night. I just heard an alternative version of, way, of uh, Blue Christmas today that was an alternate tune and everything. And it might be the only version I've ever heard that gives it the melancholy feel that it deserves. Really? Yeah. It doesn't feel like an Elvisy. It's like it really does feel like this melancholy, like my life sucks and it's Christmas time. Uh, well, and that's how it was written. Yeah. Right? That's how it was written. So, what do you got today? Here we go. I, this is what I picked personally for this last one. Okay. Ready? You did not. <laughs> You don't like that one? I hate this. This is so so good. Okay, stop. Pause it right there. Uh, Because the first thing he says is Santa Bebe. Yeah. (laughs) Is it baby or buddy? Because later on in the song, he says Santa buddy. But right there, he says Santa Bebe. Sorry, that was uncalled for. Here is the greatest song you never heard. Kiss me underneath the mistletoe. Someone else is gonna if you don't And if you miss this opportunity You may 
hurry up on over here. Over here. It's time we spread a little Christmas cheer. So many things about that song. Uh, number one, the key change, the unexpected key change was fantastic. I loved the key change. Um, this is a style of music I typically don't enjoy. And the one exception for that is Christmas time. Because yeah, almost everything is on the table at Christmas. I still don't like Christmas rap. Well, then you haven't heard Christmas in Hollis from Run DMC. No, I think I have. It's Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> But I liked uh, the the singer. The, I, I feel like I'm gonna know who this is when you tell me who it is. And I will say I'm I'm listening to this, and the only reason I would think that this song didn't actually get more airplay are two reasons. One, when I said I think I know who this is, and you said oh, I'm gonna stump you on this one, then maybe nobody's ever heard this artist. Number two, it is kind of um, predatory in tone, and I could see where there would be those who are politically correct and going, uh. Dude's trying to con, con some chick into kissing him and making out with him, so... It's a kiss. It, that, well, he says, let's start with a kiss on a cheek. He does. And then turn up the heat. And there's also a little something there about, um, like, with Christmas Friends with Benefits. Christmas Friends, yes. Which, But I actually, I loved this song. This is a fantastic Christmas song. 
and there wasn't anything about it was joyous it was fun it was uh it included the mistletoe part which i thought was fantastic it was everything i love about christmas music it's just interesting because the first thing that i love about this first of all the musicality of it is fantastic it's really well produced yes really well produced and he went to that honky-tonk piano Mm. It's the sound, that honky tonk sound. It's a very um, neural and stylistic sort of thing. Well, one which of those, I really liked. One of those other things about Christmas music that drives me nuts, and back to our comment about the standards, is people are writing Christmas music because they think it's going to be a hit. And it has, I, I think that an essential Christmas song has to be singable. And this is a singable song. Well, the words and the timing in the words are a little too complex for most people, but you can't listen to this and not go bam, 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 By the way, you get into that oh, beat sure. and the and the melody. The the way each word he hits each beat. Yes. Right? And now what's interesting is I think if you heard this a couple three times, it would be very singable. I will never forget Kiss Me Underneath the Mistletoe. That line in the beat and everything that'll stick with me forever because it just it works so well. You know what they call that? An earworm? That and a hook. Oh, yeah. It's got a great hook. Yeah, so um, sometimes when we talk about these artists, hearing a backstory is kind of helpful, isn't it? Yes. Well, check this out. Well, Matt and I met uh, when he was just a, a young kid, actually. I mean, I was a part of the worship team at New Life uh, Church, New Life Community Church. And... Uh, uh, Matt's dad, Steve, was the worship leader. And so, uh, you know, I met Matt back then. And he was just, like I say, a young kid. He, uh, as he grew up in, in his teens, he had a band that was uh, himself, um, Austin Bishop, Steve Scammell, and I think uh, Kevin Reese. And they were called the Idahomies. And they played kind of a, uh, a ska type of music. Really? Yeah, yeah. And they were a lot of fun. But uh, And then Matt uh, was attending Lake City. Steve was at Lake City. And Steve, had he'd heard about this guitar player, a guy named Doyle Dykes out of uh, Tennessee. And uh, I had just coincidentally seen Doyle, my first time ever going to the, uh, to the Grand Ole Opry. I went to a, uh, a performance at the Grand Ole Opry and this amazing acoustic guitar player named Doyle Dykes played that night. So when Steve said, hey, you ever heard of Doyle Dykes? I said, yeah, absolutely. He said, I wonder if we could get him to uh, Lake City to play sometime. And so I made the call and we got him out to Lake City and uh, Matt met Doyle. Matt was a, a Doyle fan because he's just an amazing finger-picking acoustic guitar player. And uh, we were backstage. We were going to actually, uh, we had Matt on the worship team that weekend with us. And we were going to open up kind of for him at this performance. So Matt was just kind of playing around with that on his acoustic guitar. And Doyle just looked at him and said, you've done this before. <laughs> and so um, it it, it kind of got them to be close friends. And shortly after that, Matt moved to Nashville and Doyle uh, made some introductions for him. One of the big introductions was to a guy named Tommy Sims. Tommy is a bass player and he's well known for playing uh, as a part of Sheryl Crow's band. Um, he 
played with Bruce Springsteen, a number of other people. He's also known as uh, one, of, he's, he's one of the writers of the Eric Clapton hit, um, I think it was If I Could Change the World or something like that. Um, but uh, Tommy and, and Matt became close friends and that just started a whole lot of new introductions and a lot of new uh, avenues of opportunity for him. Well, I hate to do this to you. But you're going to. But that was too big of a clue because uh, for those of you who don't know, we're recording this uh, live uh, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, uh, which both of us spent quite a bit of time here in this area. And there's only one Matt that could fit that description in the middle. But he goes, Matt. And then I was like, oh, it's Matty Ridenour, which he doesn't go by that. Matty Rides his uh, Facebook or his Instagram. Matty Ride is his Instagram. stage name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Matt Ridenour. Yes. And the voice you just heard was Todd Hornby, who ironically enough, wrote our intro and outro to The Greatest Song You Never Heard podcast. Oh, that's fantastic. That's yeah, fantastic. So, uh, I, so I saw Matt, Matty Ride, about six years ago hmm. at Lake City playing a Christmas set. Yeah. I'm like, this guy's freaking awesome. He was yeah. at the piano. Hmm. He wasn't on guitar, he was on the piano. Hmm. Swear I bought an album. I couldn't find it to save my life. <laughs> but I'm like, I bet Todd could give me some insight. So I thought I would just change things up a little bit, right? And you interviewed Todd. That's awesome. Yeah. And so uh, I asked Todd about it and he kind of was talking. He said, well, you know, hold on one sec. And he makes a phone call. He says, Matthew. Because he's now down in Nashville, right? Yeah, yeah. Matthew, this is Todd. Hey, so a friend of mine has got a podcast with a friend of his. Get out of Starts going on. And so um, I thought, why not ask, go right to the horse's mouth. This is amazing. Tell me a little bit about PDA, holiday PDA underneath the mistletoe. And this is what Maddie Wright said. Let's talk a little bit about uh, holiday PDA. Yeah. I need to know, first of all, who played that solo, piano solo? Was that you? No, um, it was funny. Um, my friend DeMarco Johnson played uh, that piano solo, um, but it was that was kind of a funny piano thing because DeMarco's like, he is my guy on all things. Anytime I need piano, keys, anything, he's just the best. Like he, he's played with like everyone. Uh, but for some reason, I actually played um, most of like just like the rhythm kind of piano things on it because I, there was a feel, like a certain feel to it, and I just because I wrote it, I just kind of felt as, it more. As a writer, you're gonna have that in, intimate knowledge of what you want the song to be like. Yeah, so I I played all the parts that are just kind of the quarterly kind of rhythmic kind of like the way it kind of had a swampy sort of like a thing. So I played that. And then DeMarco played all the kind of color types of stuff. The thing you were just talking about, the solo and that. Yeah, Honky Tonk sound is yeah. so cool. So what's the inspiration behind that song? Lyrically or musically? Lyrically, you, it's like follow the bouncing ball on every beat of the song seems to have, each word fits in perfect with the beat of the song. Writing that has got to have some challenges to begin with, right? Yeah, I mean, funny thing, uh, when I write lyrics, I usually like them to have, I mean, it's 
finding the balance between it being good lyrically, like good lyrical content, but also I just like things to to fit neatly in rhythmic types of things. Like I, I like so much so that like I will, if consonants or vowel sounds don't sound right, then the lyric isn't right, if that makes sense. So sometimes I torture myself when I write lyrics that way because it takes me longer, but I kind of approach it from both angles. And then sometimes I will make sense of nonsensical sounds that I just sing along before I have words, only so that it sounds appealing to my ear, certain hard sounds and soft sounds and foul sounds. Right. And, right. and I just think sometimes that reveals what's supposed to be said. In this case, I, think I started more on the lyric side of it just because I had a concept of that holiday PDA. Um, I just thought, it, I just thought it was, I was thinking of just Christmassy topics and under the mistletoe led to the idea of holiday PDA. I thought it was funny because it rhymed. And then, I, right. and then I started running away with that. <laughs> it just kind of, I started kind of laughing and having fun with it because different things would start to reveal themselves. And I'd be like, Oh, this is funny. Ain't no better way than locking lips, like with Christmas friends with benefits. See that one. <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas friends with benefits line. No, that one. I, I laughed when I pulled the trigger on that one because it was, you know, it's funny because, well, I mean, what is it? You're just, it's just kissing on a mistletoe, but it's a funny right. play on a funny uh, phrase. So it's a very playful song. Yeah. The musically, it's very playful. Musically, probably. I mean, like it kind of has that swampy kind of like New Orleans-y kind of a thing. And to me, going back to what we first talked about, like I'm a big Harry Connick fan. So I, any of that kind of real swampy, loosely swung kind of like, you know, jazz kind of, I, I always love that, especially, and I like all the band shouts, like when bands will sing, where they kind of sound like it, a drunken choir of men or something, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't have to sound great, you just have to be loud. Well, and that, going into that piano solo, uh, there was a, yeah, yeah. Thrown in on that, which yeah. is, that just brings it to a very real place of playing music. All right, so first off, okay. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo for pulling that off. That just one up to anything I'm going to bring to the table for the next six months. You know, we'll go ahead and... Why is this even playing? Talk a little... That Was that you? Yeah, it's this the end of the show. But we'll start oh. from here. Oh, perfect. Okay, first off... Bravo. Well done, Phil. Well done. That just took this to a new level and it ups anything that I'm going to bring to the table for at least the next six months. Uh, that's pretty impressive. I felt a bit of self-shame. Not that I had negative self-talk, but negative self-talk was knocking on the door mm. Mm. because of what you've been bringing to the table and you've guessed every single one and you still have. <laughs> Freaking nailed Matty Ride. Well, I got some hints on that one. 
Yeah, you did. I should I should have flat out told you before I went to the Todd cut. So who, a couple things though. Now that yeah. I know the story and who this is. Yeah. Uh, number one, I think this isn't a hit only because Matt Ragnar is just not a well enough known artist yet. He's sure. one of those niche artists that certain people know. He's working really hard in Nashville. He's trying right. to become somebody. He's he's writing songs with Johnny Lang. Right. He is producing music in Nashville. He's writing. He's producing. He's Yes. Uh, uh, making records. Yes. So he is a singer-songwriter with multiple talents. Yes. And he will make inroads. The relationships he's built in Nashville are building his uh, portfolio and legacy. Well, the other thing that really struck me about this song, now that I know the story, is this. When you listen to a Harry Connick Jr. song, and he mentioned Harry Connick, uh, one of the things that you, you just know instinctively is that dude breathes New Orleans, right? So when you hear him sing, even if it's uh, his Christmas album, there's this feeling of New Orleans underneath it all. Always. And what most people wouldn't know about Coeur d'Alene is it's a giant party town. It is a, like everyone here loves to party. So when I listen to this song again and look through these lyrics, <laughs> I can picture a Coeur d'Alene party taking place and that's what's going on. And it's and it's Matt Ridenour really expressing that piece of what it felt like to go to Christmas parties in Coeur d'Alene uh, as a kid. And I don't think he even intended that, but no. I read this and went, oh, it now it makes total comes sense. together. Yeah. So when did you first see uh, Matt uh, perform? Long, long, like when he was in high school. Really? Yeah. Oh, good yeah. for you. That's that's still kinds of piss kind of pisses me off a little bit. <laughs> um, but <laughs> maybe in two weeks uh, I will I will get one where you don't know. Well, next week I've got a song for you, Phil, that uh, it will challenge and stretch you immensely uh, on a multiple different levels. So if you're listening to this and you made it through all 22 minutes, we usually do about 15. Uh, yeah, uh, we went a little long today, but. Uh, next week's going to be pretty awesome. Phil, tell people where they can find out more and find us online. You can find us on Twitter at G-S-Y... Oh, son of a bitch. You did this. <laughs> I was going to have this. <laughs> Just put in The Greatest Song You Never Heard. You'll find us on Twitter. We are also on Facebook, The Greatest Song You Never Heard. And The Greatest Song You Never Heard.com is our website. And seriously, uh, throw some comments. We would love to yep. know some ideas of what you think The Greatest Song is that most people have never heard. And we will either play it or we won't. It and depends on if we like it. And with that, we'll see you again next time on The Greatest Song You Never Heard. Mm-hmm.